All right. I want to thank the worship team for uh, bringing that to us. Um, and uh, we just want to continue to pray for those that are, uh, that are struggling with uh, sickness and illness. We know that there are members of our congregation that are not doing well. I know that's one thing we have about our prayer chain. Uh, we just want to definitely be uh, continuing in prayer in those areas where we know we need it. And uh, and definitely uh, pray for those uh, during this time of Christmas and uh, COVID and everything else um, that uh, we continue to move in the direction that God wants us to move. Um, but uh, I encourage you since uh, we're here and uh, we want to move forward, I want you to open up to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel, Daniel chapter 12 um, as we finish up this study. And I know that, again, it's Christmas time, and so everybody really wants a Christmas message. And uh, not everybody, I guess, but that's the typical thing we expect. And uh, I'd love to be able to give one. Um, but the reality is I, I can't give a Christmas message because God has specifically told me that I needed to go through the book of Daniel, which, um, which we are. And we're at the final chapter. And we're going to be dealing with something we mentioned during the uh, candle lighting time, the uh, consolation of hope, which is our, which our Lord and Savior. And so that concept that uh, comes through. So if you had to put points on this, obviously, uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of three and four and five and 12 points, although sometimes I've had as many as six or seven. Um, the reality is there's just one real point of this message, and that is that we have a great hope. Uh, we have a great hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that he is coming back. He does have a plan, and we are moving towards that. Uh, the reality is that Daniel, Daniel chapter 12 is probably one of the single um, most prophetic chapters that deals so clearly with end time uh, philosophy, theology, and understanding um, in this entire book. And Daniel chapter 12 is probably one of the single greatest and, um, and most studied chapters, I would have to say, in all of Scripture. Um, in fact, this the details in here, and actually, if you really want to get down to it, chapter 12 really should have begun um, in verse 40, uh, 44, uh, 45 in the last, for, uh, last chapter, um, because it's carrying on a thought process. It's finishing up the discussion on... Uh, the Antichrist, and then moving into a full-on end-time uh, end prophecy. So, uh, without further ado, I'm just going to read the chapter to you. It's a very few verses, only 13 verses, and um, then we're going to try to break it down and get, get to it. So, um, starting in the first verse, chapter 12. Now at this time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These are to everlasting life but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, O Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth with knowledge, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, Two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on the bank 
of the uh, on the other bank of the river. And the one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? And I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven, he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and a half, and half a time. And as soon as they finished shattering, as soon as they finished finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, I heard, but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, and but the wicked will act wickedly. And none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination, abomination of desolation is set up, there will be a hundred or 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains the 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. So, Daniel is coming to the end of his vision. Uh, the vision has uh, been clearly put out, and it's just really, I hate to say it, but a variation and a continuation on that same vision that he had early on, the same basic vision that Nebuchadnezzar had um, early on in the book of Daniel. It's the same concept of these nations that are going to rise, and we just heard about the Antichrist, we heard about his quote-unquote career and his end in verse 45. It says those pitches tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain and yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. And then it goes on. It says, now at that time, this is talking about that time just past when there will, that, that whole battle that's, that's going to be taking place. Um, now at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that um, and at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book, will be rescued. This is coming to that final end. Um, this is actually the passage that Jesus quoted in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, uh, when he talks about that time of great distress, that, that great tribulation. This is uh, the, the area where um, Ezekiel and Matthew, Mark, and um, uh, it's mentioned in Revelation, and Jeremiah, and Hosea. It's a lot of these prophecies, times of of the troubles of Jacob. It's um, dealing with this, this idea that there is, again, we're talking about Jewish prophecy over the Jewish people. At this point in the history of mankind, the church is gone. The church has been raptured out of this. We're no longer in a position of uh, prominence in the world. Those of us that are believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have already been taken out. Um, this time of tribulation is about ready to begin, and it's uh, it's already um, it's already engaged. The Antichrist is there. It's not going to go well. And this time of distress, the time of Jacob's troubles, is designed for one purpose. And that's to drive Israel right to the wall. It's to put them to a place where they can truly be refined. And the, the, the ones, as, as it mentions in the first verse, that were written in the book, that remnant, the individuals that are truly followers of the living God, are going to be the ones that 
ultimately God is going to try to rescue, not try, he's going to rescue and save. Um, and so when we look at this, uh, we have to see that in that context. I love the fact that we bring up Michael um, in here. In fact, in this whole area, there's there's three big things that are, that are actually we talked about is a world war, a world leader. We've already talked about the world war. We've already talked about the world leader um, and a world religion. We talked about that all last um, all last week. And in this in this world war, this world leader, this world religion that's going to sort of come about in that process, Michael is the one, the great prince. I love that word great prince the word there in the hebrew means is, is the word is is gadal sar it literally means a powerful commander or a powerful general of the king of the universe basically now I, i'm throwing king of the universe in but basically the word sar is the word that that is uh, given for uh, general the commander of the armies that has authority but it's authority that's underneath the king it's not so when it says prince it's kind of a misnomer what it really means is great commander uh, um, that's the thing about Michael. Every time you see Michael, he's battling. He's, he's a fighter. He's a warrior. He's always at war. Um, and that's the thing about Michael is he's standing guard. He's, he's willing to go to, to battle for the sons of your people, for the Jews. For whatever reason, Michael has authority over the Jewish nation as a, uh, as a guardian, um, as a prince who stands guard. And uh, just like we talked about uh, the angel that brought this vision, which I believe is probably Gabriel, um, he spent some time guarding over the uh, um, uh, the, the Darius Mede and the kingdom that he had set up. So uh, there is obvious that there is angelic strongholds and there is just as, uh, just on the other side of it is those fallen angels, that demonic uh, strongholds that are there as well. But that being said, this time of distress is going to be one that is going to be powerful. Um, the next uh, passage, it says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will wake, and these uh, to everlasting life. It's really interesting, but this particular passage is the first time in all of Scripture that we get a discussion about everlasting life. It's the first time that, that eternal life, everlasting life, is mentioned. And it's this particular chapter and these verses, this verse in particular, that is uh, one of the areas that the Jewish people to this day debate and talk about um, the idea of, uh, of a resurrection, the idea that there is eternal life. That's one of the reasons why Paul was able to uh, get out of one of, the, uh, one of the trials that he was in because he got the Sadducees and the Pharisees fighting. And the big, the, the big reason they fought was over um, this concept of the resurrection, which the Jews were divided. They just didn't have a firm understanding. We have a much better understanding of heaven and hell and eternal life and, 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 and where we're going to be in eternity than the Jewish people did at the time that Daniel was writing this and, and at the time that Jesus was there. Um, so I think that's kind of an, this just a, an interesting aside, uh, but looking at this final judgment of this righteous and unrighteousness, um, this is, is, is kind of interesting because in the, in the Hebrew, there is a clear divide. You can see it in the New American Standard. There's some, par there's, some uh, um, there's some commas in here, but it doesn't really do it justice. But there's a sharp divide in the Hebrew between those that awake to and have everlasting life and those um, who are unrighteous and are going to wait, awake to everlasting 
contempt. Most theologians believe that this gap, this 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 uh, this hard break between, is a reference to the different judgments that are going to be taking place. Uh, we know there's going to be a bema seat judgment in the uh, time. That's the the judgment that is mentioned in the New Testament, where the righteous will stand before the Lord and be judged based upon our deeds and the things that we did in the name of the Lord. And then there's going to be a, this other judgment. They call it the Great White Throne Judgment, where um, the, uh, the the rest of the nations, those the unrighteous, will be judged. But in the end, and this is the thing that we need to take to the bank, is that judgment's going to happen, and it's going to happen on all mankind, not just um, not just the good and not just the mad. Uh, and so uh, we need to be aware of that. But there's there's a strong divide, a sharp divide between in this verse between the ever the um, the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, and we need to we need to recognize that. And probably that's that gap of time um, between the 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 rapture and then that final judgment that's going to take place. Um, but still, um, this particular verse is generally considered to contain the most explicit reference in the Old Testament to the resurrection of an individual. There are a few other Old Testament passages that sort of allude to this. Um, uh, Job chapter 19, verse 26, Psalm 17, 15, and then of course Isaiah 26, 19. I know I probably went a little fast in those, but I'll be happy to give those to you at the end of the service if you'd like. Um, the other thing that we need to remember is that uh, that Gabriel, and I believe this is Gabriel giving the message. So if I if I if I accidentally say Gabriel and, and you don't believe that it was Gabriel giving the message, I apologize. Um, it's just the way sometimes that thing slips. Um, but those that have the insight, this is what verse three says: those that have the insight will shine brightly. We're talking about knowledge, and we're talking about wisdom and knowledge. Uh, I think uh, it was Peter that said that in the end times, the people will be going to and fro, and knowledge will abound. Um, I heard it said uh, recently that that knowledge. There's a theory out there about knowledge and 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 ability. It says knowledge doubles. The the knowledge that we have, the knowledge base, everything we know doubles every ten years. And if that's the case, if you just do basic math and you understand the idea of compound interest, which I don't really understand compound interest, but I do understand this, that if that's the case, if, if knowledge doubles every 10 years, then half, over half of, of every, everything we know now um, uh, is happened in the last 10 years. And that's pretty amazing, considering the body of knowledge and wisdom that we have right now. I mean, just thinking about um, in my 50 years on this planet, the different things that have taken place and, and just, uh, uh, just the, the, the advancements that have happened in the last 10 years, let alone the last 5 or 6 or 4. Um, it's just been a powerful and definitely a, a huge changes. But I don't think that's exactly what uh, is happening here. Or what they're talking about here. Gabriel is not just predicting a surge in scientific knowledge, um, although that is the case. Verse 4 um, does mention that. You know, knowledge will increase. But it's it's the way that it's written in the Hebrew. It's not referring so much as just general, like, scientific knowledge. He's talking about knowledge and, and desire to understand God's word, and in particular, the prophecies contained in this book. And so um, that's kind of where it's at because you see where, where Daniel is given the command. As for you, Daniel, conceal these words. Seal up the book until the end time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. That's restated later on in a slightly different way through, um, I believe, Peter. I could be mistaken on that, but um, either way, um, Gabriel is also talking about not just general knowledge, again, but 
actual understanding in the book of Daniel. And it's actually kind of interesting because in the last hundred years, we have learned and confirmed more about the book of Daniel than we've ever known before. I mentioned last week that Daniel's uh, just using the book of Daniel. We have the opportunity to witness to folks that are of a scientific nature because it's hard to refute the writing and the prophetic nature of the book and the fact that it's so incredibly accurate and it was so written so far before any of the events that happened, um, especially dealing with the Greek Empire and the rise of the Medes and the Persians, all of that. Um, it's just, it's really to me pretty, um, uh, pretty amazing. So there is that understanding the knowledge is going to go, but he's really talking about this understanding that, that Daniel's message is going to be fulfilled. And and when you say conceal, a lot of people think, does that mean Daniel hid, hid things back? Are there things that we weren't given? That's not exactly what it's referring to. It's talking about sealing. It's talking about making complete. When a seal was placed on a document, it meant that it was it was legitimate, it was truth, it was legal. It's like, in many ways, like a notary of the public for us. When you have to get something notarized, you're taking it up a notch. And so Daniel was told to, to, to conceal, it says, conceal these words and seal up in a book. But what he's really referring to is to keep them secure, preserve these words, and and know that they are complete and in and, and what they are. And so, in fact, that's exactly what Daniel did. Daniel did con not conceal so much as he did preserve and keep them safe. He passed them down from generation to generation. We know the book of Daniel was, was used all throughout, uh, um, after, it was after it was written, all throughout the history of the Jewish people. They, um, uh, they loved to learn, turn to Daniel because of the prophetic content. But also, Daniel inspired, as we mentioned, last week the the Chaldeans because he took over ownership and leadership of their um, their little group and because of that uh, Daniel not only passed, kept this knowledge safe but he passed it on from generation to generation that's why the wise men showed up to honor the birth of Jesus Christ because they knew that the Messiah was to be born and when he was to be born they understood that and so we see this knowledge is going to go forward um, and that the wise people will seek that knowledge. That's kind of uh, what is, is being said you know, there. But Daniel, um, he's looking at this and now he's, he's starting to get, he's, okay, we're coming to the end part of this. He wants to know what's going on. Daniel is kind of a little, he's a little beside himself. You know, we would say maybe he was a little freaked out by all of this. Um, and he even mentioned it, you know, after seeing and hearing the words, it was it was way too much for him. He he felt like he was unworthy. He was incapable of receiving this message. And, and so he gets to that final spot in verse 5 and he says that he looked and behold, there were two other two other people standing there. One um, on one side of the bank of the river another on the other side. But the individual that stood in the middle, that Jesus character, that, that, that what we call Christophany or a theophany, the um, uh, the appearance of God among men before he came in the body of, of the baby uh, born in the manger. He's standing there in the middle of the waters. And so these other people were there. And the reason why they had these other two there was uh, because according to Jewish folks, uh, there was a required number of individuals for a statement to be considered true. And so to have these other individuals, it gave more credence that this was a, this a legal definition. There was enough witnesses to testify that these words are true. Not that God needed a witness, but it's a it's part of just the Jewishness of the book. And Daniel looked up, he saw these other two, and it says, and one said said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters, and this is either Gabriel or Daniel, we're not exactly sure, 
I tend to believe that this is Daniel speaking, um, and he's referring to himself in the third person. And one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be to the end of these wonders? Now, whether it was Daniel or an angel doesn't really matter. The question was put out. The question was put out to the individual that's hovering above the waters there, the, the, the one that's in linen that we talked about was a Christophany. This is a, a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ. And... Um, and he says, we know this because it says in verse 7, I heard, now he's back in the first person, I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters as he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lived forever. This is another Jewishness, a Jewish sign as an idiom um, to indicate that by raising both hands to heaven and, and swearing by God that this is all true, right? That what is being said is, 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 is absolutely 100% true. Um, and he says that there'll be time, times, and a half a time. In essence, three years. That's a way, um, in the Jewish folks, sense, a way they would say that we know that's three years because it's confirmed a little later in Scripture when it says uh, 1,290 days. So we see that there's this, um, there's that, tw that 1,290 days, uh, that three and a half year time frame, that time when the, when the hardness of the tribulation is going to come to bear. It's during that time when Zechariah said that one out of every three Jewish people will be saved. It's a time when um, that the nation of Israel has never seen up to this point, even in the Holocaust, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, even in the Holocaust, um, it was just reversed there. It was, it was a two out of every three Jews were saved rather than one out of every three. So this is going to be a, a, a situation that the Jews have never experienced in the history of their people. Um, and so he says, he says, as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. There will be some sort of a war. There's going to be a, a battle that takes place. Revelation goes into more detail about this. Um, there's the discussion about the 144,000 Jews. What are they doing? This remnant that is called out from the different tribes, 12,000 from each tribe. They're going to be witnessing and sharing the faith with those that are left because the Spirit of God, the, the church is gone. And so somebody's going to have to carry that final message as God gives one more chance to mankind to return to Him, to repent from their sins. And um, the, um, Jesus goes on to say in verse 8, he says, As for me, I heard... Um, I'm sorry, I apologize about that. This is Daniel now speaking. As for me, I heard, but could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? This is where Daniel is now. He just can't be silent anymore. And he's turning to Jesus. Some folks say that he's turning to Gabriel and talking to him, but I don't believe that. I think he's, he's actually just was so incredulous, so caught up in the moment, so much um, overwhelmed by the vision that he, he turns to the, the he turns to the Jesus character that's sitting in the middle of the river, standing in the middle of the river, and he asks this, you know, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? What's going to happen? And this is where Jesus turns and speaks directly to Daniel. And this whole time, Daniel was given this prophecy, but he hadn't had an actual word that came to him except through this angel. This is a moment where Daniel is being just, um, addressed by, by God, by Jesus. He says, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. And then it says, many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. And it goes on and talks a little more about that. But I want to stop there just for a second and look at this. He says, he's telling Daniel, be at peace. Be at peace. None of this is going to happen in your lifetime. Go your way. 
These words will be concealed. Those that don't need to know this won't understand it. Those that do, will. And it talks about that with the whole idea about they, that there will be those who have insight and understand, but there will be many that won't. Um, but it talks about a purging, a purifying, and a refining. These are good words and used in a good way. Remember we talked about early on in the discussion of Daniel, the idea that, that um, a forge, which was what was used to um, basically punish the three... Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this forge, in all of Scripture, every time we see the concept of forge, something is put in, in a raw state, and taken out to be worked into something that is a beautiful work of art. That's kind of the concept that we see whenever we discuss forges. And this is kind of the same term, that's not kind of, it is the same terminology here. It's the idea that, that this Purifying this refining, this forging is going to produce something that is going to be truly a work of art, but it's going to be painful. If you've ever forged anything, if you've ever made anything, you know that there is, there are, there, it's, it can be painful. Um, it can be painful on the piece of art that you're trying to create. It can be painful on the individual trying to trying to create it. We talked all about that when we were dealing with Daniel and the fiery, uh, the three boys in the fiery furnace in the uh, in the first part of Daniel, but. Um, there's going to be a purging. There's going to be a refining. And it's going to be important that it happens. But during this whole time, the wicked are going to continue to act wickedly. That means that their evil is going to abound. The, the wickedness will not decrease. In fact, in the last days, it will escalate into a grand scale. This is why so many people look at the news and look at the issues that are happening into the world and they say, we're not getting better. It's getting worse. We're getting closer and closer to that time. Now, I'm not a statistician. I'm not going to sit here and try to say that, statistically speaking, we're in a safer world than we were 100 years ago. Or I just don't know. I only know what I see. I know what I hear. I know how I feel. I know the, 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 what I experienced when I was overseas, living in, in areas outside of the United States. And I'm going to tell you, there are dangerous places out there. There are places that being a Christian would mean you will die. Um, it's not as safe as we like to admit it. Um, I know that in our houses, in our homes, we like to, to, to we, we seek safety, we, we long for that, but I can't always promise that it's going to be there. We know that wickedness will escalate, whether it happens um, before we're raptured out completely, or whether we get to see a piece of that um, um, uh, and be a part of it, or whether this all happens after we're raptured out of the world, I don't know. I can tell you this, so that if you take the godly influence of the church out of the world, then wickedness will naturally increase because there will be no buffer to keep it in check. So, we see that. And then we get to the uh, the final part of this, um, and that's the, the last couple verses here, uh, actually three verses. It says, from that time, from the, from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, and this is that phrase that Jesus uses that's used in other places, the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. That's three and a half years. Okay, so we have we have a uh, we have a roundabout time in verse seven, and then we have an exact time in verse um, verse twelve or verse eleven, 
And then it gets on to say, How blessed is he who keeps waiting and re attains to 1,335 days. So why does he add 45 days to this? Why do we have to add time to this? Um, and that's a really good question. I think it's important to understand that, um, that Jesus was not just talking about that great tribulation time frame. He's also talking about the days after. The days that it's going to take for that divine kingdom to happen. Um, it's almost as though he's saying it's going to take an extra 45 days to uh, truly judge um, all of humanity from the beginning to the end. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. This is my supposition. But I believe that that 45 days is is how much, how, how much time it's going to take, take to set up and to have running that eternal kingdom um, that uh, we're promised in, uh, in the end times. But either way, at the end of the tribulation will happen. And then verse 12 says, How blessed is he who keeps and waits and obtains um, for that 1,335 days. This is an important thing. And then we get to that final thing. Remember, we're talking about that answering that question, how long, right? How long? Well... This is where the final tender moment that Jesus has with Daniel. He says, But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into the rest, into rest, and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. This is a beautiful picture. Now, that word rest, in some areas in the Old Testament as well as the New, it's the word Sabbath. But in this case, it's not the word that's used for Sabbath. It's a different rest. It means relax, be calm. Be still and wait. It's in that time of waiting. We see that picture in the parable, well, the story that Jesus gave in, I believe, the book of Luke about um, the uh, Lazarus and the rich man and how there was that bosom of Abraham, that, that, that holding place, that waiting place. Um, and you also had the other side of it, that Hades part, the part where the fire and the burns hot, and you had the discussion between Abraham and the rich man, um, and he wanted to send Lazarus to his brothers. I mean, all that was important, but that's kind of the idea and the understanding is that rest. It's not the final rest, the final Sabbath rest that the writer of Hebrews talks about. This is that rest and waiting for the final consummation of the age. Okay, um, this is where where we should rest in too in that final moment. See, we ask the questions. You know, what? So what? What for? Why are we? Why are we doing this? Why are we even discussing this? And I think the answer is best described in this final way. Just as Daniel was encouraged to go your way to the end, he's saying basically, Daniel, you're not going to see this now. I don't think that's what God is saying us today. Today, But he says, I want you to enter your rest, he's telling down Daniel, and eventually you will rise again for that allotted portion at the end of the age. That allotted portion is that understanding of the consolation of hope. That's the, where we get this. We talked this morning about hope being something that's so precious, something we can cling to. All this whole Advent season begins with the concept of hope. It ends with joy, and that's kind of where we are with Daniel. We began with hope, a hope that the, uh, that the Jews would be able to return to their homeland, a hope that this time of uh, chastisement would, 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 would move quickly, and when it was over with, the Jews would be able to resume, and that the Messiah would come. Ultimately, Daniel was waiting for that Messiah, just like um, all of the humanity was up till the day Jesus was born. And so this Advent season goes hand in hand with what we're learning here, and the idea that Jesus is that consolation of hope, the final hope that we have, this consolation of hope that belongs to any and all who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
And this is the thing that we need to ask ourselves and we need to, we need to encourage. Is we should say that every person who reads these words should be part of that great host of redeemed that will shine like the brightness of heaven, like the stars forever and ever and ever, which was mentioned in previous uh, previous parts of this uh, passage. The idea that we stand in now in that holding pattern, waiting for Jesus to come back and take his church out of, out of here. But there's going to come a time where it's going to be too late. And so you have a choice today to choose that consolation of hope. You have that choice today to allow Jesus to become part of your life. Or you have a choice to walk away. You know, choices have consequences. All choices do. We need to make a decision where we are going to stand, where we are going to be. And so if you're sitting there today and you say, well, Pastor, so what? Here, I'm here to tell you, just as Daniel was given hope at the end of this book, he was told that he would have a time to rest and that eventually everything that was told to him would come to pass and he would have full understanding and he would see it happen. Uh, he would get his final allotment of his prize. We are promised that same thing. Whether we, are, whether we see the rapture, whether we see the end times, whether we um, pass from this mortal plane into into eternity before that happens, I can't tell you. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Daniel didn't either. But he was comforted by the words of Jesus saying, take heart, be calm, be still. It comes back to one of my favorite verses. In fact, it's um, Sandy and I, when we first started our ministry, it was our life first. It was the kind of thing that we built our ministry around. And it was, um, be still and know that I am God. You know, no matter what happens, no matter where we go, no matter what, um, uh, what we do, uh, on this planet, we need to know that God is still God. And the ultimate theme that is found within the book of Daniel, the theme that goes from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 12, is that God is on the throne, He is in control, He has a plan, and He is going to make that plan happen, whether we like it or not. And so I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get your heart right, because if you don't, if you don't, there will be an end point where He will stop reaching out to you. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day that we should embrace and follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can only tell you this. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Only the Lord knows when that final day will be. When that final last time will he'll reach out to an individual that's lost. And I can only tell you this. You don't want today to be that final day. For those of us that love Jesus and are called according to his purpose, I can only encourage you this. In this Advent season, in this time that we think about and celebrate the, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, the entrance of God uh, made flesh into real history, uh, we need to take this time to turn not only to the New Testament, but to the Old as well, and give our, those that need to hear it the message of hope, that is contained not only in the New Testament, found in the birth of Jesus Christ, but in the Old Testament in Daniel. This hope is one of the most powerful things we have. We have a hope that our Savior will save our souls. We know it's true because he said, I want you to know that you know that you have eternal life. This is the whole reason why he came, so that those of us might be drawn to him, so that the kingdom of God will be established and we will have the opportunity to be called the sons and daughters of the living God. So this offer is to you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you don't understand the real meaning behind this, I encourage you, if you're watching us online, to... Uh, 
to, to, to reach out to us. Send us a private message. Call us if you need to. Uh, we would love to sit down and talk to you and, and tell you about who Jesus is and what he really means. Um, please take that time to do that. For the rest of us that, um, uh, that love Jesus, uh, I encourage you to take the message of hope that you heard today and bring it to a world that needs it the most. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you so much for what you've done. We ask you to guide us and direct us as you seek to um, uh, as you seek to, to teach us what you would have us to know, not only in the New, but the Old Testament as well. Father, in this study of Daniel, I ask that you have opened our eyes, enlightened us, and given us the strength and the courage to embrace the truth that you have laid out before us. Father, I ask that you'll continue to guide our understanding as we seek to know and love you more. Father, I ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, if there's anyone watching us online that doesn't know you, that you won't let the sun set today without drawing them into your loving embrace and giving them one last opportunity to accept and, 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 and follow you with the rest of their life. Father, as we open up the altar, as we call up our uh, music team to uh, play a final song, we ask that you give us the strength and courage to follow you and to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have one more final song. If you're watching us online after the song is over with, we thank you for joining us, um, but you're, you're released. For the rest of us, um, we encourage you to, uh, to come to the altar if you need to and uh, take care of anything you need to take care of. Let's go ahead and worship.